as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The gardening should be in it. The balls thereof are coals of fire. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Skewed and Reviewed, the TV show. I am your host, Gareth Von Kullenbach. Darren's adjusting the cameras there. And uh, we have got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. We were off last week for the 4th of July. And uh, we're off again next week because I am on my way down with Genevieve to California for a week at Disneyland. And uh, once we get there, we're going to be covering some stuff we'll be talking about later in the show, the brand new World of Color. We're going to be having a look at the plans for the upcoming Enhancement Star Tours 2, the brand new Star Tours ride, as well as some future additions to the park. Uh, also, while we're down there, we are going to be uh, covering the San Diego Comic-Con. And we've already had a lot of offers to meet people ranging from Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, David Duchovny, the cast of Futurama, uh, Stan Lee, and so much more. So we'll be getting coverage from that. Lots of video. Well, it's been certainly a busy, busy week while we've been gone. There's been a lot of uh, news, so we're going to try to get to that. And we also have some game news and uh, movie news later on in the show. Like I said, probably have two weeks worth of material and one, uh, one show to do it in. Do you want to talk about some of the prizes we have tonight? We have passes to the upcoming screener of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And uh, you get to see that. That's the new film with Michael Sarah and uh, Chris Evans, who will be playing Captain America. We also have a special Redneck Vampires DVD. That's right. We're going to be showing that, uh, talking about some new video games and much, much more. But... Without any further ado, while we were gone, there was a lot of talk about, uh, well, not a lot of talk, but it came out, new Spider-Man. Uh, powers would be at Sony, uh, apparently had a script for a fourth Spider-Man film, rumored to have John Malkovich playing the Vulture, possibly an appearance by the Black Cat, and uh, the, as I said, the powers that be were not, uh, they, they went with this, Sam Raimi wasn't impressed with it, he walked from the project, that's the director-producer of the past three Toby Maguire followed suit, so the decision was made to basically recast the role, start over, tell the story again from scratch with a brand new Spider-Man. And of course, this will be done in 3D. Now, uh, the film's due for summer of 2012, and we have the new Spider-Man. He's a relative unknown, but he's actually going to be getting a lot of coverage in the upcoming year. He's got a film coming out called The Social Network, which is basically all about how Facebook got started and that sort of thing. So it's very clever. He's not really well-known now, but he has won several awards. A lot of people think he's a British actor, but it's deceptive. He was born in Los Angeles, but at the age of four, his family moved to the U.K. So he grew up in the U.K., but technically he's an American. But he's in a lot of British films. He's won several British, uh, some awards for Brit in British acting awards, that sort of thing. So the perception is he's a British actor, but he's really not. So, go figure. Anyway, his name is Andrew Garfield, and we have a brief little introduction on him we're going to kick off right now. Andrew Garfield landed the coveted role of Spider-Man, so who is this guy? Clever TV has the whole story right now. Hello, hello guys. I'm your host Jocelyn Davis with the latest casting news on Clever TV. 
Now, we've been dishing forever on who would land the role of Spider-Man in the upcoming reboot. Everyone from David Henry to Logan Lerman to Josh Hutcherson, who everyone truly believed was the frontrunner, has been talked about as of late. But now we're learning that Andrew Garfield made the final cut. So who in the world is this actor? Well, Andrew might not be super well-known here in the States, but he is about to become a world-famous celebrity. The new Peter Parker was actually born here in Los Angeles, but at age four, his family moved to the UK, where he spent the majority of his life. He's appeared in a few films here and there, although the project that a lot of you will probably first see him in is the upcoming release Social Network, which is about the founders of Facebook. It also stars Justin Timberlake and Jesse Eisenberg. So why did filmmakers behind Spider-Man choose the 26-year-old unknown? Well, they say that though his name may be new to many, he has a rare combination of intelligence, wit, and humanity. So are you guys pleased with this new pick for Spider-Man? Leave a comment right here. For more updates on this movie as they unfold, stick with us right here at Clever TV and of course follow at Clever TV on Twitter. I'm Jocelyn Davis. Thanks for watching. Spider-Man, and we'll be seeing him in 3D in the not-too-distant future. Another uh, sad news while we were gone is that due to the financial problems with MGM UA, yeah, we, uh, we talked about uh, MGM and the problems that they were having financially. Remember we talked about how the $75 million remake of Red Dawn is basically on hold right now because they don't have enough money to distribute and promote the film and so on? Uh, another film has fallen victim to the MGM uh, problem. They're literally, they're trying to sell the film. I mean, they're trying to sell the, the thing. They're in bankruptcy. They can't, you know, get films made. New James Bond film went from being on hold to basically being canned right now. And some say the delay could be so long that uh, Daniel Craig will be out as Bond and that when they do eventually get back to Bond, we'll have to get a whole new Bond. Now, this has really caused some problems because apparently they had an extremely solid script for the next film. And so, you know, obviously they probably since they paid for it and developed it will hold that script until they get around to making the film but you know let's face it you take these james bond films now i'll be honest i have not been as thrilled with the new version of the bonds the reboot because to me james bond always was the scottish gentleman who you know could charm you on one hand kill you without blinking an eye and no regret the second a very suave cultured individual and i think daniel craig's portrayal is much more of a working class common thug than a, you know, I look at him and I don't see a suave sophisticate. I see a basically a, you know, a common heavy. And not to say I don't enjoy what he's done, but I, I think there's kind of, it, it's too much of a, almost like son of Bond to me rather than, and I think they've really, while they've gone a good, they've done good not going nuts with all the gadgetry and stuff, I think the plots have become so damn convoluted. It's like, huh? You know, and so, uh, you know, that, that being said, those films have made a boatload of money. The new versions of Bond have done exceptionally well, even better than the past versions. You got a movie that you think, okay, we shoot it for $125 million, I got $250 million guaranteed, and they still can't get it done. Now think about that. You have investors that are like, yeah, I'm, no, not going near you right now. Because my guess is the thought is, okay, great, we put all this money in the film, you finish it, and then it sits on a shelf because you don't have the money to promote it and send it out. Not doing anyone any good. But a film that is finished that is doing a lot of good, we're going to have passes for the Seattle premiere. All you got to do is shoot us an email, 
Uh, Gareth at nwlink.com. Write Darren or just go into the chat room right now. Mark will take care of it. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. This is the brand new trailer. Check it out. So anyway, passes are available, so do check that out, and we will uh, uh, we'll do what we can to get you hooked up. Right now, we've got another one, and this one's very interesting. Darren, going back to 1993, I think this could be a fascinating movie. It's based on a true story. Back in the days of the dial-up internet. And if we think about this, remember the very first few times you went online, you thought, you know, this is pretty cool. I can get a news thing. I can get a little sports page. Hey, occasionally someone's put a couple of spicy pictures up. That's pretty cool. And, you know, I, re- I remember one of the first things that I was fascinated by. This is back when Babylon 5 was really big. There was a website, uh, still is, it's called LurkersNews.com. And one of the thing about, or Lurkers Guide, excuse me, LurkersGuide.com. One of the things I thought was great, because, you know, on Babylon 5, it would always be, they, they had this weird way of doing it with the syndication. They would run like six, seven episodes. They'd be gone for like two and a half months, three months. Then they'd come back with a few more. And they, they did. I've never seen a show do this before. It was like really odd. They'd go, you know, on the season finale of Babylon 5. And then next week, the new season would start. It's like, what the hell? They would, have the se- they would literally go from the season finale 
of one season to the premiere the next season. There was no big hiatus or anything like that. And then, you know, as they went on, they got it a little more streamlined. But I remember um, you never knew what was happening more than a week ahead. And, of course, it was a very complex show. You know, five, literally, it was a five-year story arc, all the spinoff movie series, and there's still, all, there's still tons of stories that have never been answered, even in the books and all this stuff. So this site, when I found it, was like, oh, my God. They had, hey, these are the next five episodes that are coming, and they would give you an overview without, you know, spoiling anything. It would say, in this episode, you know, this is centered around this character who might have a conflict relating from his past. Nothing specific, you know. An unknown visitor returns from the race of blah to blah. And you're like, oh, this is cool. But it, it doesn't give anything away, you know. Bester returns with the Psychops. And you're like, wow. Well, anyway, this movie is about the two gentlemen and a financier who basically, in essence, made the Internet what it is today. And who said, hey, you know, we can sell products over this thing and I can tell you how to take a credit card number from anywhere in the world and sell goods or services online, which in essence led to the huge boom in the adult industry, which led to things like Amazon.com, everything. Because, you know, at that time, you could not buy anything. It was basically to look online. These are the guys who figured out how to make, you know, how to make credit. You could be in the far side of Africa and make a credit card transaction instantly to a place in Seattle. And they, of course, took a percentage of all transactions, hence the middlemen. And it stars Luke Wilson. So check this out. I really think this could be a fascinating story because I think this is a this is an important part of history that kind of has been glossed over. You know, that and the fact that everybody was terrified at first. What do you mean? You want me to put my credit card in this thing? And how they had to say, no, no, it's safe, it's safe. So anyway, middleman. in every home. Music was still bought in record stores. And the world was buzzing about a brand new invention called the Internet. Was it? Which up until then, sucked. What most people don't know is it was impossible to buy anything online. Until these two idiots came along. What good is the Internet for if it's not entertaining? We take some pictures, we scan them, we upload them, and we make a little money. What are you doing? Do not interrupt me for the next 15 minutes. And that's where I come in. We can take a credit card from anywhere in the world and deliver a product anywhere in the world. We can make a profit on every transaction. We're just the middleman. That's limitless. In less than a month, we were making $200,000 a day. What kind of business is it? No, uh, just entertainment. There's the hottest Navy starlet in the biz. Here you are, the 23-year-old porn star. The thing is, when you fix one problem, things seem to be going very well. There's always more. We owe a considerable amount of money. We're afraid we're going to get cracked. What, you mean whacked? Yeah. Paramount Pictures presents the story of the World Wide Web. You got a check here for $2 million under a candy bar. Oh, and what, that's a bad thing? Yeah, like that's a bad thing? And the man... Get out, now. ...who started it all. 
We had no idea what the internet would become. Changing the world is a wild ride. Middlemen. You peddle pornography over the internet. Well, Senator, this is your billing record. NaughtySecretary.com? You realize you just attempted to blackmail a publicly elected state official? And it worked. Can I count on your vote next year? You got it. Middlemen. And yes, how about Kelsey Grammer is the senator right there who tries to take the high ground to tell a uh, list to him the special sites that he had subscriptions to. Yeah. And uh, Oh, yeah, okay, you got me, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Oh, so. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the uh, rooting gallery. Darren, what do we have next? Paranormal Activity 2, a very quick preview. The highest grossing film in history has a sequel. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Amanda Danner and you're watching Clever Movies. The first one was touted as one of the most profitable movies ever made. Now Paranormal Activity is back with hopes to scare up another box office blockbuster. We have the first trailer for the sequel to the hugely popular horror flick, and from the promo, it looks just as creepy as the first. Check out the trailer. So was one paranormal encounter enough? Can it? So that's the teaser for Paranormal Activity 2. I have yet to see the first one. I'm kind of waiting to see that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, Darren, if it's going to be like The Ring. You know, in that the first Ring, I mean, yes, I know it was yeah. a remake of a Japanese film called Ringu, but which is S and The Ring. The well, first Ring was quite good. Yes. that's. I didn't yes. like some of the stuff in it, but it was entertaining. Thought the second one sucked. Mm. Didn't really work. It seemed to me like they were trying to do, you know, rehash, cheapened down versions of what worked in the first film. Mm -hmm. They talked about doing a third one and, of course, in 3D and all that. But this one, I don't know. I mean, the first one was a very original concept. And as we were talking about earlier with Chuck, the clown, mm -hmm. that, you know, chuckles. I, I remember very clearly Blair Witch, similar film, grassroots campaign, little mm -hmm. indie film made it big. They made a sequel, and it was like, huh? Yeah. And this sequel is basically thrown together in just a few months. You know, yeah. Now, there's there's another movie. I I, I was surprised actually because I I you know it wasn't as bad as I thought. It's a movie called Quarantine, and it was basically about a um, it's about a apartment building in L.A. and the cops come in, and you know something's going on there, and of course they quarantine off the whole place, and then it becomes very, you know, 
what's going on in here, that sort of thing. And it was, it was somewhat entertaining. And the, the gist of it was that a documentary news crew went along with the firemen to investigate what was basically a routine stop. Mm-hmm. They get trapped in the building. They record everything, and things go nuts. Mm. And I was like, you know, okay, a little different than what we've normally seen. Still entertaining. This is going to work. Well, they're, they're doing a quick-o sequel on that one, too. So Quarantine 2? Quarantine 2. Mm. So, mm. <sighs> yeah, I know, I know. How about something more uplifting? Well, what do you... Morning Glory. I think Morning Glory would be absolutely perfect. What's the story, Morning Glory? (laughs) Fire it up, Darren. Welcome back to Clever Movies. I'm your host, Amanda Janner. Stand by for some laughs. Paramount Pictures brings us Morning Glory, a romantic comedy set in the hilarious and dysfunctional world of morning television. When hardworking TV producer Becky Fuller gets canned from her stint at a local news station, she stumbles onto a new job at Daybreak, a national morning news show that's dead last in the ratings. She recruits veteran TV journalist Mike Pomeroy to helm the anchor desk. Unfortunately, the only thing Mike hates more than delivering celebrity gossip and fashion advice is his co-host Colleen Peck, a former beauty queen who is more than happy to cover the daily fluff of morning news. Their behind-the-scenes bickering soon turns into an on-air catastrophe. Can Becky stop the clashing co-anchors and save the show? Cue the trailer. Did you get a job yet? No. My feeler's out. Lots. So you're a fan of our morning program? Oh, many yeah, yeah, we know it's singers. terrible. Coming up tomorrow, we'll show you what to do with those shampoo bottles with just an inch of shampoo left. Uh-uh. Daybreak's understaffed, underfunded. Any producer who works there will be publicly ridiculed, overworked, on the paid. Awful. I'll take it. <laughs> I'd like to offer you the position of co-host of Daybreak. After the career that I've had. <laughs> Is he going to cook? Is he going to do fashion statements and gossip? Not my thing. You happen to be a pretentious, fatuous idiot. A fatuous idiot who makes three times what you make. So now is an excellent time for you to take up drinking. What's going on now? Mike is offended by a word in the next story. It's about Easter chicks. I'm not saying the word fluffy. Interesting, Jerry hired you. No polish. Those bangs. <laughs> Suppose I don't have standards. Sure you do. When you got your pap smear on air, you wore a silk robe. Okay! Lassie touch. It wasn't that bad. How reliable is your alarm clock? You want to make the ratings worse? That's why you came here? I'm not giving up. Try not to bore the nation into a coma with your dominant scrap. Suck it. Mike! No one can do their jobs around here well, because you can't be bothered to do yours at all! And we're back. Welcome back to Daybreak. It's only my job. It's not my whole life, right? You're worse than I am. I was never at home. When I was, I took every phone call, watching TV out of the corner of my eye. Let me tell you how it all turns out. You end up with nothing, which is what I had till you came along. Take, Take what you want, steal my pride, build me up or cut me down to size. Shut me out, but I'm just great. I'm only one voice in a million, but you ain't taking that from me. But you ain't taking that from me. You ain't taking that 
kissy? <laughs> that's a little, that's wrong. Do it again. As a former TV news reporter, my... I think that's going to be pretty good. Which, this one, Darren? Yeah. I think that's going to be pretty good. Harrison Ford in a comedy role? How can you go wrong with that, huh? Yeah. Especially now he's got Indiana Jones 5 that he's prepping away. Indy goes to the Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. That's the rumor. Bermuda Triangle. I thought that was the one. Uh, that was the, based off the original v the video game from years ago. Yeah, Indiana um, Jones and the Fate of the Atlantis. Fate of the Atlantis, and, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we'll find yeah. out. Speaking of uh, Bermuda Triangle, Jack Black's back. Gulliver's Travels. Now, I do want to... Well, you know what? We'll roll the trailer, and then I'll make my commentary on it. I think it's safer that way. Gulliver's Travels, coming this Christmas, folks. Dad, then I shall take it by force. Oh, he's my brother. Then you shouldn't have made out with him. What do you hope to get out of being in the mailroom? I hope to get out of being in the mailroom. You're hired. How long have you had this crush on the travel editor? On Darcy? No way, dude. How's your day going? Really good. Just really, really good. Have a good one. You too. <clears throat> Gulliver, you're not my boss anymore. It's impossible. You just got here. I'm your boss now. It's over for you. Never really gonna get any bigger than this. You think I don't have plans? I got big plans. I got a writing sample I've been working on. It's dynamite. I had no idea you wrote. <laughs> I think I have the perfect fluff piece to start you off with. There's a guy who claims he has the secret to the Bermuda Triangle. So what do you say? We'll see you in three weeks with a story that's gonna blow your mind. You just follow that duck, and you'll find yourself in a triangle. Done. Okay. Where's the clutch? sideburns. I need those mutton chops. And while this may be an entertaining family film for Christmas, as someone who studied uh, Jonathan Swift's writing, who is the author of Gulliver's Travels, I remember telling my wife, I said, I think Jonathan Swift is turning over in his grave at this. The original Gulliver's Travels was an extremely biting political satire about the corruption in the Irish government and how people would, you know, literally make fools of themselves trying to gain favor and courtesy up to, 
you know, people in power and position, and he wasn't able to write it as a direct criticism. So he came up with this whole idea of this little tiny town of all these people, the Lilliputians, and this large guy who re- basically represented like the you know the public. This is the outsider's view of it looking in, and you know it was funny because when he put it out, everybody was like, you know, the censors were like, oh okay, it's a fantasy story, but the people who read it were like, I got what you're saying, man, and so you know, go figure. I know the whole idea of it is it'd be kind of hard to sell, but still. I, I don't think he had uh, a comedian running around doing Star Wars jokes and 3D when he came up with it. But who knows? Give it a chance. Maybe it'll turn out well. Speaking of stuff we want to give a chance to, I think that covers all of our movies tonight. Uh, excuse me? Radiator Springs. I do want to talk very much uh, about the new film Predators. Went to the uh, advanced screening. Had a fantastic time with it. Wanted a little more, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. It is the best of the sequels to Predator. Uh, better than Predator 2. Definitely better than the two Alien versus Predator films. And in my mind, better than Alien 3 and Alien uh, versus... I mean, Alien uh, Requiem. Not Requiem. Shoot, what was it called? Resurrection. Alien Resurrection, which was the fourth of the Alien films. Now we have two Alien prequels in the works right now. And rumor is we may get a prequel slash sequel to this. Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't available to do his cameo, but this is based on a script that Robert Rodriguez of Machete fame, uh, you know, came up with. And uh, we may actually have the trailer for Machete, don't we? The brand new trailer. Or no, or actually, no, we ran that a couple weeks ago. We got an even newer one that's in the works, but it has pieces of the old one, so I kind of left it out. Uh, Anyway, uh, solid film. You know, Adrian Brody was very good. I, the cast was really good. They worked well with each other. I wanted a little more of the backstory because they tease you with little backstories about their characters that don't quite get fully fleshed out. And so either these are all on a DVD somewhere and these excellent character profiles or the novel that's coming out is going to have that. But, I mean, solid entertainment. I, I thought it was really good. And uh, the interesting twist on the Predators this time, too. I'm not. I'm just saying there's a very interesting twist on the Predators this time. So do check that out. Uh, back to, uh, you know, gaming and stuff. Why, as anybody who goes to the site, reads the magazine, knows, i got to talk about this right now. Top secret, but I'm telling you guys first. We are in development. I've seen the prototype, and it's absolutely impressive, of an iPad app for the Skewed Reviewed magazine. They have uh, finished it off. It is ready. And if all goes as planned, this is going to be the center of a new, um, basically, a new set of applications. I can't really go into it more than that to say that a certain magazine stand may be available and the Skewed and Reviewed magazine is going to be one of the featured ones that you can now literally bring on your iPad and do that. And the prototype of the issue two looks fantastic. We've actually decided to hold issue three back a month to give them more time to get everything set up. So we'll do that, which means a shorter turnaround on issue four. But, you know, should be a lot of fun, and you'll be seeing that in the days ahead, and we'll give you information on how to get it. And truthfully, I kind of used to wonder, oh, why would anybody want a magazine online? Wasn't it better in this? It looks really cool. It looks really awesome, especially the way you can enlarge stuff and move it around. And there's all sorts of customized things, but we will have a lot. In fact, I have a video of it. And I can't show it yet, but the first, the moment I get the word that it's it's free to go, I'm going to bring that in and let everyone see the brand new Skewed and Reviewed um, app. Um, anyway, as we've mentioned, we're off to uh, Disneyland and Comic-Con next week. 
and next weekend, I should say. So basically, we we will be back uh, two weeks from tonight. We'll be back, which is the you know literally we'll come back uh, Saturday night. We rest Sunday. Two weeks from tonight, we'll be back with a brand new show. We'll you know touch up what's happening at Comic Con, what we found out down in Los Angeles, all the good stuff. We'll have some video with some of our celebrity interviews, that sort of thing. So it'll be a lot of fun. Anyway. Uh, one of the places we're stopping, we're spending five days at Disneyland, not only to do some coverage, but to, the main reason, to celebrate our niece's birthday. I mean, she's, she's coming along, and we're doing that, but we're doing, Genevieve and I and her brother, Mark, is, uh, in the chat room, we're going to be doing a few days before, a few days after, and looking at some of the new things that are coming. Now, one of them is a brand new light show called The World of Color, and we'll be showing that later in the uh, show. We have some video of that. They also have a lot of new features that are in the works. Some of them will come next year. Some of them will come in 2012. One of them is a brand new Cars-themed land, which is in Disney's California Adventure. It's going to have several rides that are all based around Cars themes, kind of like uh, if you go into Toontown, you get a whole village that is all based around, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and it's got, you know, three or four rides that are, you know, tied in with that. Well, we got to look at the in the making. Now, remember, this is still two years away from being complete. So right now, it's just the basic track. They don't have any of the artwork, the special effects, or anything like that. But uh, this is one of the brand-new rides that is coming. And so we're going to show that. It's pretty quick, and I think you'll get a kick out of this, folks. Right now at Radiator Springs Racers, we are doing early ride testing of our prototype vehicle, our first vehicle. We're going to do that until about the end of July, and then we'll shut it down, take the vehicle off the track, and then complete construction around here. It's going really well, and it, it's just it's so fun to see this car out running around on the track with his little smile on his face. This car, Radiator Springs Racers, we think of it as a giant slot car. So if you look at it, there's a slot in the middle of the track that the, that the car will follow along. It's the same ride system that we have at Test Track at Epcot in um, Florida. So it's super successful for us. We love it because it makes you feel like you're actually riding on a road. Your, your tires are touching the pavement. And it is the only ride system that we saw that we knew that really felt like a car. And obviously for Radio Springs Racers, feeling like you're in a car is the most important thing. We opened in 2012. You walk into the park and you can see the steel that's coming up. It's going to form Ornament Valley. And it's so exciting. And people are looking in. They're wondering what's going on. And we just can't wait to open it up. I want to go to that. And uh, one of the reasons, uh, you know, Darren, people say to me, well, why 2012 and why are they talking about it now? Rumor is Cars 2 3D 2012. So you get the big movie, get everyone excited, and you roll out the new land, and there you go. They also have a Little Mermaid ride at California Adventure that's coming out, and that's going to open next year. Are they going to get rid of the submarine? No, no, that's California oh. Adventure. The submarine, oh, okay. remember, the submarine was gone for like 10 years. It was? Yeah, the submarine was gone for about 12 years. It was 10 to 12 years. It just came back three years ago as the Finding Nemo undersea thing. So they brought new submarines in, oh. and it's all Finding Nemo themed, upgraded graphics and holograms and that sort of thing, and the voices from the film. So, yeah, that's back. And it, oh, okay. one, probably the second most popular, at least from a line standpoint, about an hour and a half line for the submarine ride, and the other one in Disney's California Adventure, which we love, is Toy Story Midway, Midway Madness. 
and it is the most amazing thing you've seen, but you will wait in line 45 minutes to an hour, guaranteed. Wow. You sit in this car, two of you here, two behind, and you put on these 3D glasses, mm-hmm. and it's basically a 4D ride, and they it's very simple in a concept, but it's great. They roll you right in front of this screen, and it, it's random, so you go up and down these aisles. You, you'll go and you'll stop, and then a little later you move and you stop, but you never get the same six screens Mm -hmm. in front of you and you have a little gun in front of you that you aim and you pull a cord like this to fire and it shoots a 3d ball out now sometimes it's a paint pellet sometimes it's like a ring sometimes it's a dart and there's all these midway themed games that are all set Hmm. around the various characters from the toy story films so like one minute you'll have like those little space guys and you're throwing rings like this and if you hook a rocket ship it takes off and all of a sudden all this smoke and water vapor comes and gets you because you see it in 3d or oh, wow. you'll like uh, they'll be holding up plates and you're throwing the, the you know the plates and you're hitting darts and then the sarge the army guys are out uh-huh. and you're doing this and you know you're shooting moving things you know kind of like you see on the carnivals you see the midway yeah. things but it's all in 3d and of course wow. like sometimes you get smoke and sometimes you get water vapor and it, it's just it's really hard to describe but it's amazing and you never cool. get the same set of targets each time you go through the ride and then at the end of it you have a computerized score that tells you what your point totals were wow. and what your ranking is so the object is to try to do better each and it i mean it's phenomenally popular they have a version of it for the Wii but it's not the same i mean wow. you're you're sitting in there leaning on each other just bam, 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 just shooting as fast as you can because they give you the thing you get like so much time to shoot and then you move on to the next mm-hmm. one and it's and it's fun i mean wow. can't beat it well uh, as I said, they've got all these additions being built, and one of them is in a very short time, they're going to shut down Star Tours, which is the long-running Star Wars motion ride. In fact, it was one of the first, if not the first, real motion ride at any theme park. And uh, we're going to show you why it's being shut down right now, because uh, uh, it's what's replacing it is coming next year. So have a look at this. It is supposed to be working with LucasArts' uh, technical team, Darren, the most advanced motion simulator ride ever created. New video, new footage, new experiences. As you see, that's actual footage from the working prototype, which is the pod racing, and it will be in state-of-the-art 3D as well. So all of that stuff will be coming right out the screen to you. So not only will you see it like you're there, you're going to be right into it. And... You know, Star Tours is fun, but a lot of people said it's, you know, I think it's nearly 30 years old or, or probably 20-something. Either way, technology's a bit dated right now. Still a lot of fun, but now that we're going to see it with everything completely from the ground up. And I think, I think what really lets them turn it around in about a year is, if you think about it, the area's already dug out and the motion rides are already there. So what do you do? I think, you know, you probably change the set dressing. You might have to change, you know, take one of the old cars out and put a new one in. But it's a lot better than saying, 
that's an area, dig a hole, put in the tracks, put in the wiring, do all this. I think it's a lot easier to retrofit rather than start from scratch. So that's why they're able to turn it around in one year. But I expect that to be phenomenally popular when it opens. I mean, any new Star Wars is going to draw the people in. Well, speaking of new, we have the World of Color. And uh, we're going to have a look at that. If you haven't seen it yet, we are going to... Next Sunday, we are going to go and have a look at it. We are told it's absolutely phenomenal, and we're going to take advantage. We haven't decided whether we're going to do the picnic or the restaurant, but because it is, as you can imagine, Darren, extremely popular, it's going to draw gigantic crowds, and uh, Disney is famous for their shows. You know, they have the fireworks, they have the parades, and they have the Fantasmic and all the lights, and they have two parks now. So you have the show at Disneyland, you also have one at Disney's California Adventure. And they try, of course, not to, you know, coincide them so you can catch the one, then run over. When you go into the park, if you have the park hopper, which allows you to go to both parks, you know, you get the schedule. It says, hey, we got a parade, you know, usually around 5. Got something at 5 here. Maybe have one. They may have like a high school musical thing at 3. But, you know, you can look at it and say, okay, I want to go to that show, that show, that show. And if you're going multiple days and you're like me, you can say, okay, well, a lot of people will be busy here. So if we're away from that section, you know, because... Like for the fireworks, everyone kind of shuts down and you have to really go around. But, you know, you could say, well, okay, if they're all going to be over here for the parade, I'm going to be over here. That means Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain will be relatively vacant because most people will be on that side of the park and you kind of plan your rides around it. Uh, the other thing, Darren, this big secret I, uh, that's really cool is if you're a Disney Vacation Club member, they have a special resort where we're staying, which is, you know, members only. You can't just come up and stay there. Uh, private villas, private entrance to California Adventure, washer, dryer, um, kitchen. We're going to go to Costco, buy a bunch of groceries, private barbecue area. They told us today, don't worry about it. You come on down. We'll hand you the utensils. You just go down to the barbecue place and cook 10 minutes from anywhere in the park. So basically, if you say, you know what, I want to take an hour and go eat rather than stand in line forever, pay for the food, eat it. You just go back to your room, eat, and then right back in the park without missing a beat. Well, I like that. Yeah. And the two-bedroom unit sleeps nine people. So uh, that's where we're hosting, you know, a chunk of the family. The uh, one thing that they I love, and we timed this perfectly, they have something called Magic Mornings. And on next week for us, it's Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I believe. Magic Mornings are for basically Disney Vacation Club members and special guests of the hotel. They allow you into the park an hour before they open. And they're open from 8.30 to midnight this time of year. So basically, we can go in at 7, 7.30. And we did this last year. You know, I told you, a few years back, I went on the Nemo ride. Seven minutes after the park opened, the line was already 40 minutes long. We went last year, magic morning, straight to it. Submarine right in front of us pulled up. The other one came in. They said, come on board. No, wait. Went on that. Walked straight on Space Mountain right after it. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah, Re I, I, I heard that is the way to do it at Disneyland. Yeah. Is, is that extra hour can mm -hmm. make a big difference to getting on the uh, right. getting yeah. on the ride? And the other problem was uh, we went during the time BlizzCon was going on because uh, the Anaheim Convention Center is literally across the street, and there was like 150 thousand people at that thing. They were all flooding into the park when BlizzCon wasn't going on. So, like to give you an idea, the fast passes where if you go in and they say, hey, the line's like an hour and a half, there are certain rides where you scan your ticket, they give you a pass that says, you come back at this time. 
you come back and you have a special line where you don't wait more than five minutes or so. Now you can do you can't like go oh I'll get one now one now one you know you get one pass per hour. By five o'clock, Indiana Jones was already we're done. No more fast passes. That's how packed they were. So to be able to get on, I mean, in that hour, I know I we went on the submarine ride. I went on Space Mountain twice, and my wife also went on um, the the what do you call it? The uh, Peter Pan ride, which is her favorite. She, I went to Space Mountain. She went to Peter Pan. We got done. We all met at Space Mountain. There was no line. I said, come on, let's go through again. So anyway, it's the way to go. And I mentioned that because they have a dining option where if you want to have like a picnic, if you want to go to one of the fancy the, the restaurants, it's anywhere from like 15 to $30 a, a person. Not only do you get food, you get a private reserved viewing area to watch the uh, you know the light show. So, so let's take it away. I haven't. I have not even watched this yet. So I'm kind of curious to see what it's all about. Night at World of Color is going to be a wonderful family experience. It's really going to be a theatrical spectacular. We're presenting some of our classic animation to the park guests in a new way, and they're going to see additional artwork that they've never seen before. We have a moment from up with the house and the balloons, and when the balloons come floating up, through the sky, seeing it projected on this enormous field of water, it was just absolutely thrilling. Steven wanted to have the show have different mediums used, so trying out like paper sculpture, CG animation, traditional animation, it's just sort of an artist's dream to be able to tackle some of these characters. It's just really exciting that the world of color is taking independent artists and bringing them into the fold and letting them work creatively. Bring the fountains to life. We brought in a choreographer named Josh Horner, fantastic dancer. The beauty of a water fountain is the shape and the power of it going up and down and up and around. But as dancers, we sort of simulate that same thing, but we bring the life to it. These fountains that are going to have the color in them, they're going to just be like bursting with emotion. And it really helped all of our water programmers watch him and really translate that into water. World of Color lights up the entire Paradise Bay. And guess we'll be able to view the show anywhere around the lagoon. We've got two great ways to see the show that are paired both with food and with viewing. And so the first one is our pre-fee options, the three-course pre-fee meals, both at Trattoria and at Ariel's Grotto. Another option is our World of Color picnic boxes, which are available through Disneyland.com. Each of the boxes come with a reserved viewing. Another way for our guests to be able to see the show is to use FastPass. They can go to Grizzly Rapids, use the FastPass machines there, and get a specific show, a signed section, and a return time so they can spend their day enjoying the attractions and shows and then return a specific time to see World of Color. 
part of the recording of the orchestra for any big spectacular, and particularly for World of Color, the music is everything. This one for World of Color is really extra special because we're at the Abbey Road studio here in London. One of the really special things that happened today was to take a piece of music from the wonderful World of Color which has been around for all these years that you have a connection with and then try to take it and move to something new and fresh. When we chose the music for this show, we looked at all the different colors that we could create from the music, you know, things that would make people laugh, things that would bring out the beauty. And that's really how we kind of put the whole show together from beginning to end. It's just a, a journey through musical colors. saying, wow, I've never seen anything like that. I have to come see it again. I want to see the show. I want to bring my friends. We're trying to deliver something that they've really never seen before. to go to that <laughs> Sunday <laughs> Sunday 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 <laughs> Dark Star 1 how do we fire up Dark Star 1 Dark Star 1 uh, we're going to zip through the video game stuff and then we'll uh, get to our contest Dark Star 1 is kind of like a mix between Mass Effect and Privateer highly customizable science fiction adventure game and Darren's going to fire up the trailers for you right now Peggy 12 So Justin's playing away on that right now, and he'll, um, yeah, he'll really be uh, working away on that. So hopefully we'll get some good reviews from him soon. Want to also mention we got uh, Tracy and her husband. They're going to be going down to Universal Studios for us, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, while we're in California, it's kind of ironic. Some people who know us from the various conventions, they mentioned they're going to go down there. Our schedule didn't allow it, so I'm sending them over to Universal Studios, and they're going to cover the new King Kong 3D. Well, we're off covering all the stuff at Disneyland, Disney's California Adventure, and then down to San Diego and Comic-Con. Up next, we have a new game for the Wii, and this is from Sega. 
and it is called Tournament of Legends, and this is one of those classic Gladiator uh, 3D games, and it's available, as I said, for the Wii. Two players can play, and you, of course, need your nunchuck for this. You, be, you can become a legend in Epic 3D with duels against a gladiator, minotaur, medusa, skeleton warrior, and more. Ten blade weapons, 50 magic attacks, trade weapons and magic, dodge giant creatures, and wield two weapons at the same time. And uh, we got some video of this, and I just want to proudly say at the front, this is not me playing, so, <laughs> you know, uh, well, one of these days we'll bring the video of me playing, complete with the audio. <laughs> Sega. Fight a legend, become a legend. Bats versus Volcanus. The sun goddess, a member of the faded Egyptian pantheon, Bast remains arrogant and aloof, vain and spoiled. She fights to regain power and influence. But even with her father's weapons, can she earn a spot in the new pantheon? Volcanus believes that humanity relies too much on magic and gods, and that their superstitious beliefs prevent true technological advancement. But when his automaton defeats a god, he'll show them, show them all. Do you have what it takes to be a legend? And see, that's a great one from Sega. That's a good value line title. You know, twenty nine ninety five. that's something the kids are going to get a lot of play out of. We've got another value line title, and this is from Majesco. And this one is actually a lot of fun here. It's Pirate's Plunder. And uh, Yo-Ho-Ho in a Caribbean full of enemy scum. Boy, talk about Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, we can't seem to escape it. Travel the seas to get back to your newly found treasure that has been viciously taken by the evil lily-livered trader Rude Belly. And this one allows up to four players to play on the uh, Nintendo Wii. It is E-rated, so of course appropriate for all ages. And Darren's going to show the video right now to everybody. So, you're wanting to live the exciting pirate lifestyle, do you, matey? Well, it takes more than wearing a hat and adding R to the end of your sentences. Now, thanks to Pirate's Plunder, the new beat-em-up game for Wii, it's easier than ever to hone your pirate skills. Grab up to three of your best mates and plunder through 45 levels filled with armies of monsters and the undead. Wield dozens of weapons like daggers, pistols, swords, and hand. Seek out the dreaded scallywag rude belly and retrieve the scepter of power. It's Pirate's Plunder, available now for Wii. That just, it's kind of funny. Anyway, uh, we've got a few more things to do before we get to the end of the show tonight, and I did promise everyone a contest. 
So I am pleased to say that we have a couple of copies right here. And for those of you who can't see, it's the uh, Rebel Tramp Stamp Vampire, no, excuse me, Inbred Vamp, yeah, one more time, Inbred Redneck Vampires. I am not kidding you folks. This is a, a independent film we got right here. And I'd like to thank the guys who were really good to send us a couple copies of this. These, of course, with independent films, you're not going to get cast that you know you're going to have you know more simple production value but you also get people that are a little more daring with the um story so somethingawful.com which actually doesn't review bad films they review horror films something awful something awful in the dark they said could single-handedly set back public perception of the south by 20 years special features include behind the scenes commentary blooper reel photo gallery trailers and more be warned if you offend easily, this is not the movie for you for MonstersAtPlay.com. SRS Cinema presents sexy vampire Catherine and her familiar Lendl. They are on the run from a ruthless vampire hunter, and they hand out, hide out in a small redneck town uh, of Backwash, where Catherine hatches a plan to turn the backwoods folks into an army of vampire slaves. Cultures further clash, uh, so on and so forth, and uh, fruity Frenchman Jean-Claude uh, appears, and I'm going to save the rest for you right there. But, folks, we've got two copies of this to give away right now. We also have the Scott Pilgrim versus Universe Passes. Contact Darren. Say, you know what? I want to be a redneck vampire, and why? And uh, Darren will let you know if you want or not. Darren's going to have sole discretion, so if you don't like the movie, blame Darren, don't blame me. Um, I'm going to close out tonight with two fantastic games. Uh, just finished this one. I took my time. It's actually three separate games. Aliens versus Predators from Sega. You can get it for the PC, you can get it for the Xbox 360, and you can get it for the PlayStation 3. It um, Basically, half the game, about 58-60% of it, you play as a colonial marine who's you know basically jumped on the planet. There's a predator loose. Uh, something strange has happened to the colony, and it's infested with aliens. After you finish that mission, you then do a mission from the alien's point of view, so you play an alien. And it's very clever because you don't rehash the same mission, but there are aspects of it. So, for example, when there's a, let's just say, an outbreak of aliens in one segment of the game, you don't go up against your marine character that you played earlier but you are an alien during the outbreak, and you say, oh, yeah, and you go, go to visit some places. So maybe as a Marine, you come to an area that's been completely decimated. As the alien, you go to it or, or the one that caused the decimation. And then the final chapter uh, of the game, you play as a predator. And the great thing about it is they all have their different abilities. You know, the Marine has all the technology, but is you know, generally fragile. The alien, lightning fast, can hide in the dark, can climb on the walls, there you go. Now, the Predator, they've got the fist weapons, they've got the blades, they've got the energy weapons, they've got the cloaking screen. So, but, you know, you have to be very careful with uh, how all this works. Uh, very mature rated, definitely a lot of blood, gore, and intense violence. A lot of fun to play. You know, some people said, well, the graphics are a little dated. It doesn't matter. Still a fun game to play. A very immersive. It was like being in a good alien storyline. And the great thing is it's got multiplayer. Now, the multiplayer, some people have said, wow, this is really dated. This is where it's let down. Sega's really been on their guard. Uh, Rebellion, who was the developer with this, they did the first Alien vs. Predator game. They've released a lot of map pack, additional content for it, and it's coming along. You know, 
one of the greatest things was I got in a multi-species uh, death match. It was Marines, Aliens, and Predators. And I went in as a Predator. And I did not have the plasma gun. I had basically the blades on my wrist, and that was it. I did get a spear a little later and, you know, took out a few people. The thing for me was I got the funky Frisbee. You know that boomerang Frisbee? Let that thing go. <laughs> Heads were popping all along. Thank you very much. So do check that out, Alien vs. Predator. This one I'm only uh, about an hour or two in right now, and we've shown the trailers on the show. This is Singularity, and this is from Activision. And one of the great things about this is it's made by Raven Software, Activision the publisher. Aven, Raven has worked on a lot of the good games from Activision, some of the Soldier of Fortune, some of the Quake games. Uh, they worked on the Wolfenstein. They worked very well with the Quake technology to you know, move the game along and do a lot of new technology. Uh, this one's based on the Unreal Engine, and it is basically, you love this, during the Cold War, the Russians found this element, and they thought it was going to be their secret weapon to stop the growing nuclear superiority of the West. They built a secret base on an island for it. To develop it, mysteriously shut it down. Years later, modern day, a spy satellite blanks out going over the island. They send you in to investigate this abandoned island, which is risky because you are infiltrating Russia without their knowledge. You go into the place, and an electromagnetic pulse puts you down, and you end up on this abandoned base. Very shortly into the base, a flash happens, and you end up in 1955. You start out, this is really cool, you start out, and there's a thing of Joseph Stalin. You go and you save some guy from a fire. You come back, it flashes to modern day. The, pick, the thing of Joseph Stalin's gone, and the guy, I think it's the guy who I just saved, is now there as the dictator. And history has taken a different turn. And there's these mutated creatures on the loose. And as you go on, apparently you learn to like play around with time. Because you remember the things we showed, how you could hold out your time thing and age the people, speed things up, reverse it. And it's pretty sweet. And one of the things that we really enjoyed was I played it with a couple of my nephews. They've got the solid multiplayer. They've got the death match and everything. They have this one cult where you can play as the aliens. And one of the aliens basically spits up this corrosive slime. And the kids were having a field day climbing on walls going, Bleh, you know, ho and, you know, childish. Yeah. Fun. Absolutely. And I was, I, you know, I was really impressed with it. Available for Xbox 360, PS3, and, of course, PC. And it is Singularity. It is out right now. And if you want a solid 3D action shooter, that's our pick of the, uh, pick of the month right now. Anyway, folks, time flies. Um, we are off next week because we're on our way to California on Saturday. I will be back two weeks from tonight. And we will have the wrap-up of the San Diego Comic-Con. We will talk about uh, some latest game news. Have a look at Spokon, which is coming up, and also PAX. So uh, all that stuff's coming. You guys have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. Check out the site at sknr.net. And don't forget about the uh, DVDs and the Scott Pilgrim passes. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much.
I'm attorney Alexander Ransom. Have you been charged with a DUI or face any other criminal charges? If you're in trouble with the law, you need a trial attorney who's aggressive, experienced, and effective. Call today for a free consultation, the law offices of Alexander Ransom. I look forward to serving you and getting your criminal charges reduced or dismissed. Call today. The law offices of Alexander Ransom. Call today. appeal at an appealing price whether you want traditional carriage house custom wood or even glass garage doors we have an option that's right for you make the right decision call precision problem solved 